Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. What do you do when global events or political uncertainty or tragedies that result from the pandemic or social uprisings or natural disasters, what do you do when it feels to you like all these things are happening at the same time and as if they are on the rise? If you're like some people, your personal sense of anxiety begins to rise as well as you watch rather helplessly at all of these unsettling things that are occurring. But what do you do or how do you think in such times? Many people actually connect a rise in unwelcome news or unsettling events. They connect it with the end of time as we know it. They honestly wonder if we're entering a whole new realm full of apocalyptic events. When we use the word apocalypse, We typically think of dark and foreboding things that are unfolding. Some people turn right away to apocalyptic passages in the Bible to try and see what God might have to say about such things. And then they aim to try and connect the dots, however unhelpfully that may be sometimes. Well, today I'm going to read a passage of Scripture that has some apocalyptic overtones to it. And then I'm going to share a reflection about this passage. It comes from Luke, the 21st chapter. This is Jesus speaking. And I'm going to begin at the 25th verse. 
There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars, says Jesus. And on the earth there will be distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the raging of the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then Jesus told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all of the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things have taken place. Heaven and earth, they will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And then Jesus concludes this little section of Luke's 21st chapter. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness or the worries of this life and that that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap for it will come upon all who live on the face of the earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So reads the 21st chapter of Luke's Gospel. So now take a listen uh, to some reflection on this word of Jesus. I want to begin this morning with a poem. Billy Collins is one of my favorite poets. And uh, he, this particular poem, he's writing about his students in poetry class and their inability to take a poem at face value. It's called Introduction to Poetry. I asked them to take a poem and to hold it up to the light like a color slide, or press an ear against it like a beehive. I say, drop a mouse into a poem and watch that mouse probe his way out, or walk inside the poem's dark room and feel the walls for a light switch. I want them to water ski across the surface of a poem, waving at the author's name on the shore. But all they want to do is tie the poem to a chair with rope and torture a confession out of it. They begin beating it with a hose to find out what it really means. Well, that's this poet laureate's way of, of saying, just take a poem for what it is and just don't go digging and torturing the thing as if you're missing something because it's right there. Well, I think we like to do this same kind of thing with some passages of Scripture. Tie them to a chair with a rope, beat the living daylights out of that piece of Scripture until we figure out exactly what it means. And perhaps this is especially true of uh, passages that uh, have to do with the apocalypse, or that we call apocalyptic literature. When we talk about the coming of Jesus Christ again and all of those images that are so hard to make sense of, it's like we tie it to a chair and we just got to figure that thing out. 
Jesus says. You just heard it. There are going to be certain obvious signs of the sun and the moon and the stars that you're not going to miss. You can count on distress and tumult happening between nations. The seas and the waves that are in the seas, they're going to roar and rage. And Jesus says, people all over the place, they're going to be fainting because they sense that something bad is happening, foreboding coming upon this world. Welcome to the start of Advent. It always begins on this Sunday with this kind of apocalyptic literature. And you thought Advent was supposed to be kind of lighten up time, get ready for Christmas. And I thought December was supposed to be lighten up time, get ready for Christmas. When Christmas parties, they're not just saved for the weekends anymore, right? They're just any time of the week. You can have a party and you hope that people will come. We light up our gutters and downspouts like they're Christmas trees. And we stick little light bulbs in these inflatable Santas on the front yard for, for the nighttime. And we shop. And when we shop, if you're in doubt, you just have this little voice in your head that says, well, just buy it anyway. You might, you might want to have it. Just buy it. In our house, my wife puts balsam fir soap in the bathroom and a balsam fir candle on the kitchen table. And together we smell like the North Woods, which isn't a bad fragrance, by the way. She bought some eggnog, some Oberweiss eggnog a few days ago, which I love, especially the ground nutmeg on the top, which I call flavored sawdust. And I looked at the label on the eggnog, and I saw how many saturated fats are in it, and I about had a coronary on the, on the spot. But hey, it's December, and so I put some in a glass, sipped it, and lightened up. As Christian people who follow the gospel of Jesus Christ, we live in this in-between time between when Jesus Christ first came and when the New Testament tells us that Jesus Christ will, in fact, come again. Most of us, we feel better about the first coming than the second coming. We have an easier time with the first one because there's a baby involved, and babies are a lot more fun than earthquakes and famines and wars. It's more fun to sing away in a manger, you know, with Jesus asleep on the hay, than it is to run for cover because stars are falling from the sky or bullets are falling from the sky or something's falling from the sky. So the idea of Christ's second coming, it leaves us more speechless, more scared. It's full of emergency. These are crisis-like passages. Nations going to war, seas uh, foaming and, and raging, a country that's pulling apart at the seams, everything coming loose, distress, crisis, upheaval, people all over the place fainting, with fear. We tie these words to a chair. We try to beat a confession out of them, thinking, what on earth is Jesus talking about? 
Well, it is Jesus, let's remember. This isn't science fiction, some weird book that's out there. And Jesus tells us in the midst of all of this terror and all of this turmoil that actually the Son of Man is going to be coming in a cloud with power and with great glory. So we listen carefully to that word, that odd celestial word about coming in a cloud. And we listen carefully to those words of terror and turmoil. And we wonder how bad it has to get before we kind of know that we're near the end. Well, when Luke was writing this, putting a pen to paper or papyrus or whatever it was, it was not an easy time. This was about 40 or so years after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the world was not a safe place as far as the Christian community was concerned or the Jewish community. Jerusalem was a mess. The temple had been torn down. Hundreds of thousands of, of Jews that we believe were killed at that time. The Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul, they had been executed. Mount Vesuvius and Pompeii, that erupted in 79 A.D. There, there was, it was not an easy time. The Roman Empire was persecuting every Christian they could get their hands on. And Jesus says, people all over the place, they are going to be fainting with fear. This isn't lightweight fear. Like some dads I know who have passed out in the birth and delivery room. This is big weight fear. This is big league fear. The world coming apart at the seams. I meet plenty of people who wonder if we're in these times right now. If we're seeing the early signs of something that we might call the apocalypse. Is the world going to hell in a handbasket? They wonder. Well, it's a good question because 72 hours ago, you didn't know what Omicron was and I didn't know what Omicron was. And if we looked in the dictionary, it would have told us it's the 15th letter in the Greek alphabet. And now we see that it might upend a whole lot of progress that we've made on this coronavirus. Jesus says the seas, they, they rage and they foam. and You don't have to be smart to know that the rising seas are just jeopardizing so many communities. And if you saw the news yesterday in the UK and Scotland, 98 mile an hour winds and rain just pummeling the British Isles. Or in western Washington State or British Columbia, mudslides, uncontrollable mudslides from the ocean and the storms battering the coast. Iran and its really troubling nuclear maneuverings. Let's not even go there. I was reading a story a week or two ago about three billion birds have disappeared from North America in the last 45 years. Three billion. So if it's a little quiet around your bird feeder, yeah, you're not, you're not mistaken. Schools just don't have the resources they need and teachers have to buy the stuff themselves. You, you, you teachers know this. 
It's crazy. We have these smash-and-grab thieves that are arriving by the dozens at high-end stores and electronic stores. It's just total lawlessness. So what do you have when you got all these things put together? You have a lot of anxiety. And you don't have to be an anxious person to feel anxiety when there's some weird stuff going on. The easiest thing to do when life turns scary and crises begin to overwhelm us, it's to go knocking on the front door of God and say, where, where are you? We need you. Why don't you show up? We would benefit from your presence right now. I was reading a really interesting poll uh, recently. It was taken by the public policy polling outfit, and it asked Americans to rate the performance of God. So if your phone rings this afternoon, be sure you're ready for the question. As for God's handling of natural disasters, 50% of Americans approve. 13% disapprove. And a whopping 37% well, they're not sure at all, which may mean they've never heard of God. God's overall performance, you'll be glad to know, 52% of Americans approve of God's overall performance. 9% disapprove. And 39%, well, they're not sure either. It's a little bit laughable. But when we're anxious, you know, you look for some place to displace your anxiety, especially when it's of a cosmic sort. Now, interestingly enough, you know, Jesus, he doesn't seem to worry about the particulars of all that tumult that's happening or going to happen as he predicts. He doesn't do any uh, specific work about trying to describe the details and the chronology of those events. He just simply indicates that the Son of Man is going to be coming in a cloud with power and with great might. What he's much more focused on than what you're supposed to pack in your suitcase for that moment, or how much you're supposed to fear the waves, what Jesus seems to be much more focused on is how we're going to live and how we're going to behave in such a time. So he uses phrases like be alert and stand up and raise your head and stay awake. And in this lesson that you just heard moments ago, um, be on your guard so that you're not wasting yourself in addictions and dissipations of your life and different dependencies on these things that will rob you of your true purpose. When these scary things start to show up in your world, these apocalyptic-like things, at least that's how we want to interpret them, and your fear index, it just keeps steadily rising, Jesus says, stand up. Raise your head, for your redemption is drawing near. In other words, don't run for cover. Don't just bury your head in your hands or in the sand. Stand tall, keep your head up, and stay engaged with all of the messy activities of your life.
whether it's earning a living or putting food on the table tonight, whether it's dealing with a less-than-perfect job or managing your finances, whether it's helping your next-door neighbor or getting the recycling bin out on the right day, the proper response in anxious times of disaster, says Jesus, is to keep your head high, to stand up and go about living, and to keep loving God and your neighbor as much as yourself. You can read this passage over and over again. You can torture it like a poem that's tied to a chair. But if you take it at face value, you will find that God is not abandoning the world at all. God's only interest is in redeeming it. So you know, some people, they just see a hopeless end to everything. They see a hopeless end to the cosmos. But Christian people, we see and we rejoice in an endless hope. So keep loving God and keep loving your neighbors yourself. For why would you do any different? Why would you do any different? Amen.
Will you join me in prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. May God, who knows you more deeply than you know yourself, lead you along pathways of forgiveness and freedom. And the blessing of Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you now and always. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.